Well, hello there. I'm Karen Sander. You are listening to Aging Fearlessly, a program for the over 50s, those uniquely wonderful baby boomers. My aim is to educate, motivate and inspire you to embrace the exciting journey of life for decades to come. So stay tuned to meet a variety of guests who will share their stories and passions to help us gain insight into the ways to live a happier, healthier life. Welcome back into the studio for another episode of Aging Fearlessly. And today in the studio, I have with me a guest that's been here before, Kelly Van Nelson. And she is from a very modern family. She's an author. She's in the corporate world, working very hard. She travels a lot. She has a family that are teenagers and a husband that travels also for work. So they're juggling with all the balls in the air. She's got two very resilient children, and welcome to the show. Thank you for having me back. (laughs) Oh, it's so exciting. I love it it when my guests come back because (laughs) I just get to know them so much better and find out more and more, and I can really dive deep into your story, which is really fantastic. Tell us a little bit about your corporate life. Yes, so I have been working for around 20 years in the IT industry and a blend of IT and staffing, so providing big, large workforces to technology projects, and that's been sort of the last couple of decades. Um, So I work for a Fortune 500 company, so a big global organization in multiple countries, which is where the travel comes in. Um, (laughs) And Yeah, yeah, and you're not from Australia, so you were bought here by that company. Yes. And you've lived on both sides of Australia. I have, yes. So I was eight years in Western Australia until January this year and then relocated with the family to uh, the Northern Beaches, which is beautiful. But yeah, lots of movement and that's probably, I guess, about the 20th house I've lived in in 20 years 20 houses in 20 yeah. years. Oh, my God. Yeah, I three just, continents. Three so, continents. Yeah, I because lived in Africa, I lived in the UK, and then uh, and then here. That is absolutely <laughs> massive, and you've probably travelled to almost every mm. continent in the world. Yeah. Have you done yeah, Antarctica? Um, I haven't done Antarctica, no, and I haven't done the other sort of way up in Iceland and things, but, yeah, probably everything in between. <laughs> oh, my goodness. So yeah. how do you cope with... All of this, yeah. I sort of um, when I first started out in the um, in the corporate world, it was pretty easy. Uh, didn't have kids at that time, and you know you're sort of just managing your work life. And then I had the children and started to balance, you know, um, having two young children, um, and that was still okay. The the real challenge came in the last sort of couple of years, where my husband is now doing a fly in fly out role in the oil and gas industry, and I moved into a more senior role. Um, I'm now managing director, so traveling pretty much every week on an aeroplane somewhere. Um, And on top of that, I write. So I've got this world as an author as well on top of the day job. Um, So I kind of found myself splitting the worlds, compartmentalizing them. I was a mom and a family, you know, had the family and then I had the corporate day job, which was full-time and then the writing world. I've just gone... (laughs) Oh, my goodness. I mean, I think my life's busy. Mm. Yours is. And I know what busy is and how you you have very little downtime. You've got to be so disciplined to have that downtime because mm. 
Otherwise, well, I know I would fall apart without taking some serious downtime. Yeah, yeah. I think what I did, and I had a bit of coaching around this actually, around instead of keeping all of the worlds separate to kind of just merge them, you're one person and it, um, you know, trying to operate these three different worlds was just too much. So I began to break down those kind of barriers between those different different parts of um, the lifestyle. So, for example, I took my daughter into work and introduced her to work and she would come in and she loves coming into the office. I started talking to work about the writing that I was doing. I had never really been um, kind of out in the public eye until that point. Um, so they're very supportive of the writing career. And then in the writing world, I talk about the corporate side of things, which influences some of the things that I do write. So I sort of merged them into one world and I find it much easier now. Now I can just, you know, um, feel like one person. <laughs> yeah, well, I think corporations are sort of getting the message that mm. people need to be um, out there doing other things, that just focusing on one thing isn't always healthy for them. And this is – our world has changed so much and a lot of people uh, manage to do some of their work from home. So I think you manage to do that t- too yeah, remotely. I do, yeah. I work for a, an organisation that's very supportive of – work-life balance so they do equip us to be able to work from anywhere anytime um, and also have flexible working as well which is really important to me with you know having the children and the family and and a husband away Um, so they have been an organization that have been quite forward thinking in those spaces around you know changing dynamics in the world and you know companies now as well or you know the the whole globalization of the world every everywhere's 24/7 now yeah you know it is. so that's they they've sort of adopted you know that concept that yeah to operate at its best people want flexible working to give all of the coverage and it's more productive you know yeah. if you allow people that flexibility I, I feel way more productive that I've got some movement you know of when I'm in the office when I work from home when I'm traveling, all of those things. So yeah, work is really, really good. And it's quite empowering, I think, for people to be able to work from home and actually manage themselves. Mm, I know for me, I'm very disciplined when I'm at home working. Yeah. And I don't have people coming up to have a chat about my holidays or this, that or the other. (laughs) So I I get in there and I actually do long spurts of Mm. work on the computer phone calls etc so it's a really good mm. opportunity you know if I go to the work I'm if I go to work I get really distracted yeah definitely and there's the commute and all of those things so it actually saves you know it saves a lot of time and you're right I think your mindset's a little bit different when you're working from home on the type of work that you can kind of hone in on and focus on so I love it I get really same same kind of scenario really productive at home and I do the the chunky work I've put to one side and haven't done in the office, you know, whether it be presentations or reports or something Mm. like that, you know, and a lot of the dialing calls that I have to do around the country as well, you can do that from anywhere. Yeah. yeah, It's an awesome way to work. So today we're going to talk a little bit about the ageing population and the ageing workforce in Australia, especially, well, it's everywhere in the Mm. world, but our... um, our retirement age is between about 63 and 65 and longer. And some people choose not to retire at all. But before we do that, can we have a poem from you? <laughs> you have a poem. I do. Yeah. I've, I've got, got a few. <laughs> the imposter syndrome. I've got a syndrome. few to drop in. Yes. I've got one called the imposter syndrome. And I wrote this one um, where I, the very first job I had at an, uh, an exec board level, I was the only female on the board. 
and I was the youngest and I was non-Australian. I'm from the UK, so I had all of these kind of things going on in my head, not in anyone else's in, in my head around, you know, do you deserve the seat at the table? And I sort of, I think I was trying to use a louder voice than necessary to feel, um, you know, that I was empowering myself to be in there. And it's only now, you know, a couple of years later or however many years later that I look back and sort of think it was nothing that anybody else was doing that made me feel like that. It was self-imposed that oh. I, I I had a lack of confidence when I first entered that environment. So it was it was stuff that I was doing. Yeah. Um, so I call it imposter syndrome. It's a well-known phrase where you sort of... I've heard of it a lot lately. Yes. And is this from Graffiti Lane, your book? Uh, this is a new one. Oh. So, yeah, you've got a couple of new ones today. I've been writing um, some different poems just around kind of um, lifestyle, living in the rat race and getting work-life balance and, you know, sometimes sort of like missing the beauty of life because you're so busy and making sure that you try and lift your head up and grab those moments and enjoy all of the different aspects of life. So, yeah. Over to you. <laughs> okay, this one is called Imposter Syndrome. If it were not for the laminated name tag stuck to my cubicle with blue tack, I would be a nobody. If it were not for burning midnight oil, leaving no stone unturned, I would still be a wilderness of pristine business cards. If it were not for practising debate in front of the mirror to remove the quiver in my voice, I would never have influenced an outcome. If it were not for training my brain to find creative ways to improve the status quo, I would, I would forever be stuck in the way we've always done things. If it were not for building trust with colleagues who share the load, I would not be able to carry the burden alone. If it were not for doing a good job, consistently delivering on promises, I would not have a meaningful seat at the table. So why do I doubt myself every day, pushing limits to keep the burning question at bay? Am I good enough? So many people mm. think they're not good enough. Yes, yeah. I have this little phrase, and um, a very, very long time ago, a boss of mine said this to me, and the phrase is that only you can spread your wings and fly. Mm -hmm. And he would say to me often to say, like, you're, it's you who holds yourself back, it's nobody else. So he taught me um, that other people can try and clip your wings, but you're the worst person for doing that is yourself. You know, so it's just, you know, I try and live um, also fearlessly and grab every opportunity and try and keep myself in check if I'm afraid to do things and just, just go for it. Do you think that women suffer imposter syndrome more than men? Yeah, I do. I think so. I think it's quite common in women, um, and I, especially so in certain industries as well, where they're male-dominated industries. I mean, the technology industry is a, a classic. You know, there's sort of 30 40% female in there. Um, so sometimes I think people feel the underdog. Women can feel like the underdog. Um, because it's a much more male-dominated environment. And it's just historical, perhaps, and, you know, some of those hang-ups. But um, and it's time for change. And just I think women today now really want to feel empowered, empower themselves, go out there, live their lives, not feel held back. And, yeah, just living life to the full. And it's that little voice in the <laughs> background that we've got to get rid of. Someone might mm. call it your alter ego. That other yes. person trying to pull you down all yeah. the time is like, you're not good enough. What do you think you're doing? Yep. All of those questions. Mm. What if someone finds out I really don't know what I'm doing? Yeah. yeah. That old fake it till you make it's pretty oh, important. And exactly. I think 
men have a gift at faking it till they make it. <laughs> sorry, sorry yeah. blokes out there listening. <laughs> no, that's right. And we find it. We find it work. I mean, we've got a huge workforce around the world, maybe three quarters of a, um, of a million employees around working around the world. And when we advertise a job, we find um, male candidates will typically come in and they might have half of the skills and they're still giving it a good shot. Whereas the ladies come in and they've got eight out of 10, you know, and they yeah. feel substandard. So we try and just coach women to say, you know, you go for it and you've got every right to come in for this job and, you know, demand the uh, equal pay and all of those things. Because I think sometimes women do hold back a little bit. Yeah, well, so many companies are male top heavy. Yes. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Is yours know. male top um, heavy? It, it used to be. And now we are 45% female on the board. And um, that's really, really good at a wow. senior level. Um, the intake as well at the um, sort of grad level and um, junior consultant level, that's a good 50-50, probably a bit more female now actually, yep. but we had a lot of strategies to drive diversity and inclusion, um, not just on um, female male, but on you know culturally diverse, linguistically yep. diverse, LGBTI, um, young workforce coming in, managing um, an aging workforce yep. and making sure we were accommodating all levels of diversity and thinking in the workplace. So I think companies have to have strategies to do that and have to have the mindset and the values to do that. Yep. And it's definitely why I've chose to work where, where I work. Yeah. So with the ageing population, um, they've got to remain employable for so much longer. And with technology, I know for me, and I'm 63, I've over the last 10, 15 years learnt quite a lot about technology. Mm. I'm reasonably savvy, then some of my friends say, oh, you're hopeless. <laughs> However, I understand my way to figure things out and I'm not scared to try and mm. figure it out. But how, how are you finding with the ageing population in the, in the workforce? How's your company managing it? And from your point of view, what are you seeing? Yeah, we, um, I mean, we watch the technology, um, you know, pretty heavily where it's going and we're leading the charge actually in a lot of cases. So I sort of feel like it's, it doesn't matter what age somebody is, the technology is going to rapidly change. Oh, so yeah. whether you're young or whether you're, you know, um, in middle age or midpoint of your career or whatever age you are, you have to kind of deal with that because technology every week is something different. It's rapidly changing. You know, artificial intelligence is coming in and robotics and the, the jobs today, we, we researched this. And um, in the next 20 years, 14% of the global workforce, um, which is around 375 million around the world, they will need to change what work they do. They'll need to switch occupations, do something completely different. And it's because of dig dig digitization, automation, you know, artificial intelligence. So I think everybody's disrupted. So when I started work and maybe the generation before me, my parents, they only ever had one career. Mm. When I left teaching, when I was in my mid-30s, my father said to me, don't ever ask me for help around your work because I want you to stay in teaching and you're stepping out of, out of that. That's not right. Mm. And I know that my brother-in-law stepped in and said, let her go and do what she needs to do. And, you know, I've changed careers and reinvented myself so many times, mm. you know, and some of the work I've done is really manual labour, like cleaning houses or, you yeah. know, pumping petrol back yeah. in my days. But those things like pumping petrol doesn't exist now. You don't have service station attendants. 
However, I've had to come through the workforce and learn and keep learning and keep training. Mm. And it's been really good for my brain and for my self-esteem. So um, training courses, you know, and getting people involved in in training and upskilling all the time. Yeah, I think, I mean, I think it's critical when we... um when we're sourcing for new hires, the number one thing we look for today isn't a hard skill or a technical skill or anything like that. It's agility. Ah. So agility to take on new learning, to be open to training, to have an aptitude for observing others, for helping others, mentoring others, and constantly reshaping you know, the types of work that um, you're prepared to work on. And whether it's different systems and processes, Everything's changing every day as companies try and get more efficient and things. So nothing stays the same week on week. Um, so we really probe on that on interview now. And I think that's the number one thing um, that we could, you know, ask any kind of candidate going for a new role to uh, or, or going for a promotion as well to, you know, really hone in on demonstrating that and to be open and, um, you know, embrace the change because it's not going to go away. And if you don't embrace the change, then, you know, you, you, you'll end up in a little bit of trouble. If you can embrace, you know, what's ahead, then um, you can start to future-proof your employability. That's one of my favourite words, future-proof. <laughs> I just, I, it just, you know, I really, really love that word. Mm. Have you got another poem that you'd like to read to us? I have. I've got a few different ones. So I thought... Um, I could actually I'll do one called Golden Moments which has got a little bit of a, a tech drop in um, and then I can talk a bit about the technology after that. That's fantastic and then I want to talk about later redundancy as well because yep. that's a big topic I think for the older workforce. Yep. Yeah perfect um, so this is Golden Milestones. I smile at the colleagues I work with every day reach out to new young talent to offer support during early career, mentor others on the lessons I've learned to avoid repeating the same pitfalls, share words of wisdom, of ethical values are being compromised by the dollar value, put new ideas on the table because the courage I've developed to speak up is a gift, know when to hold back and let others shine when we need diversity of opinions, for these are the skills I've evolved over many years and this evolution in itself, is a skill. I laugh at the memories of telephone busy signals with cords that had as much spring as the one I still have in my step, grin at the time we spent tightly winding cassette ribbon with a pen to record the minutes of our meetings, recall an era of binary code and dot matrix printers and monitors the size of my fridge, for these are the green shoots that prepared me for the technology era that thrives today. I worship every wrinkle on my forehead, relishing the skin I'm in, washing my grey hair with pride ready for a day's work, knowing how it twisted into styles of a bygone era that are now back in fashion. Recall with sadness every moment of pain I've felt at being the brunt of ageism jokes. Relish the joy of being here to speak out on discrimination and drive change, for these are the golden milestones of a fearless life lived to its full. Oh, there's so many gems of gold in there. As you said, got like I was thinking of the brick phone, mm. and when you when you talked about the switchboard with the, I know there was a company called Playfairs here, and I remember a friend of ours, and she was about 21, and she worked as their their receptionist, 
and she was plugging cords. I mean, <laughs> oh, my gosh, uh, like yeah. how things have changed. Yeah. And yeah. even the old phones, I remember our first phone at home, you said the dot matrix. Yes. <laughs> uh, and I, so it was a time when I was teaching in a school in Mossman and there was a couple who had gone to live in the Antarctic, Antarctica for a year and they were able to switch. There were certain schools they could actually talk to and we had like the ability in my classroom to be able to talk to them and send, well, I suppose they were like emails, but how hard it was to do that. Yeah, yeah. And it's still changing. Like even a year ago, I think about work and – you know, the telephones are gone, no one's got a landline now, and then mobiles were kind of the in thing. And now, just in the last few months at work, we've all um, switched to Skype business and everybody's video conferencing online, you know, which is kind of interesting at home. I've had those moments where I'm still sitting in my pyjamas oh, and then the no. video pops up and you're, you're, uh, you're trying to put a jacket on over your gear, which is always should fun, always but... have an overcoat <laughs> Absolutely, 40 degrees and, or, or, or a raincoat. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. But it just it just shows, you know, and I'm sure in another year there will be some other way. You know, we've we've all got um, conference facilities built into laptops now, so there's not even a need for a mobile phone. It's yeah, just incredible, and, and you know, all the meetings are now online, and we all chat to each other on this video conference. Yeah. So you've just got to embrace it. If you're afraid of it and fearful of it, that's where the challenge comes in. It's not about the skill itself; it's the attitude yeah, to the change. I agree. And you know, Zoom conferencing when yes. someone pops up, and you know, I use Zoom for a lot of the courses that mm-hmm. I study because I do them in my own time. And you can have a one-on-one with someone in Barrel mm-hmm. or across the world, and. It's just amazing, isn't exactly, it, how yeah. that happens and what money it must save corporations in being, instead of you flying to Perth, mm. that you can get on and have a video conference with someone. Yeah, exactly. It's just amazing, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, it's incredible. And I think if you're in the workforce and you're old, you've got to, you've got to keep up with these yep. things and, and, yeah, and just really, as you said earlier, embrace it. Mm. What about that fear of redundancy? I think yep. – being invisible in the workplace for some of these people that are, you know, getting into their 50s and 60s, well, more into their 60s. And when companies are changing and expanding and being bought out by other companies, there's always that fear that someone's going to come in and say, listen, today's your last day, Mm. pack up your desk and go. Yeah, I think um, there's a a few things the employee can do and that's just making people aware they want to be there and they've got the attitude to stay and they've got the openness to change and evolve with the business. Yeah. That's the number one thing. Um, And I think to not be fearful of redundancy, it's a personal choice these days. I think employers... um, they need all dynamics in the workforce from young yep. workers through to, you know, um, older workers and more mature workers because of the experience levels that it brings and the different kind of thinking styles that it brings to a workforce. So um, I think just making sure you're with an employer who embraces that, that's the first thing. And, and employers more and more know that this is the journey that they have to be on. Yeah, um, and, and it is real life, isn't it? it there's is. always these generations of people in any workforce, like there's generations mm. of people outside the workforce, and they do bring a lot of skills, even yes. in – what am I trying to think of? Um, attitude to work, yeah, etc. Some work life um, – What's what am I looking for, Kelly? Like um, when I say attitude to work – it's a good working attitude coming yeah, in. Like ethic, work, like ethic, business ethic. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, I was definitely. just, you know, yeah. I, I was just uh, 
having a bit of a mind lapse there. But yeah, work, yeah ethic. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Uh, yeah, I think yeah. that's really important. That yeah, and for younger people to really think about helping the older people, you know, mm. you can work to work together to teach them new skills. Yeah, there's a beautiful sweet spot in the middle of where. Um, each can help each other where uh, more mature workers have got such experience and depth of experience, not just of the organization they're working with, but usually of the industry and life experience yeah. and, you know, different forms of communication and all the lessons and mistakes that they've learned over a number of years are so invaluable to businesses um, that a younger generation doesn't necessarily have that, you know, that level of experience. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then the younger workforce might bring other ideas in, you know, around whether it be new technology or different thinking patterns that they've used through university and up and coming kind of yeah. initiatives. And the two things, if you blend them in the middle, gives you that whole kind of spectrum of um, of learning. So we try um, things at work where we pair up um, mentoring programs and we try oh, yeah. and seek to do that where... You know, we will pair somebody up who's looking to gain a particular skill with the right person who who has it. And I know um, I've had a a, um, a worker who has just retired now, but he was my mentor for a number of years and um, oh. well into his 70s, actually, when he retired. And that was a choice that he made. And he's the best mentor I've ever had. He taught me just different ways to cope with um, resilience and with stress and with um, the imposter syndrome, yeah. you know, and the, and the thinking patterns that I was creating for myself there because um, my mentor had years of experience that I didn't have in coping with those things and different coping strategies. So it was amazing to have that. And I think companies more and more recognize that they, they want to keep the experience and blend it with new talent coming in. Yeah. And I, mean, I think about asking and speaking up when you don't understand or, yeah. or, or need to um, learn something new that you yeah. have to actually say, well, I don't know how to do that mm. can I go on a course can I upskill can someone help me with this and yep. it's far more honest to be and far more beneficial for you to actually ask than to be found out that you don't know you know at exactly. least you're being upfront about it yeah back to attitude isn't it about being proactive about it to say hey I recognize I don't have the skill how do I learn it quickly or you know is there a course or can I shadow somebody or you know, finding different ways to pick up that skill and it, 100% it's attitude because you can learn almost any skill yeah. if, if you've got the desire to. It's when the desire is not there to, to learn it. Do you know, I was thinking about technology on the way mm. here and I was <laughs> driving down through Ingleside and towards Terry Hills and there was a few cars on the road and I was thinking about um, flying cars. Mm. And will I ever be around <laughs> to see a flying car? And will they let me have a license for that? Because yeah. <laughs> um, am I going to be one of these people that they go, oh, don't give her a license to fly? And how will they work the traffic in the air? And I was just mm. like, could you imagine sitting in a car that's um, taking off off the ground? Does it take off like a helicopter and go up and get in a highway in the sky? And Yeah, you know, it's not such crazy thinking. No. Is it? That's the reality. Because my mum, when she was born, lived in a world, world of horse and sulky. Yeah. And yeah. in her 30s, she learnt to drive a car. Mm. And, you know, because earlier than that, not a lot of families had cars. Yeah. And you just yeah. think, wow, she's now seeing all these things and these changes and mm. using a little iPad and she's in her 90s. Yeah, it's amazing. Imagine from horse and sulky to an iPad. Yeah, exactly. It's yeah, and the days of A to Z in the car when you're trying to find where you're oh. going to the days of G, you know, GPS, oh, GPS now. Who would have thought you could just 
jump in your car and press a button and you would be directed there and it would take you the fastest route and yeah. tell you where the traffic jams are sitting. And, and you can sit on your phone <laughs> and have a meeting on the exactly, car. Exactly, yeah, exactly. It's incredible. Oh, my yeah, God, no yeah. wonder. It's no. mind-boggling, but I, I yep. do love it that yeah. I'm experiencing yep. all of this and I want to know more. Yeah, I'll, I'll, it's like one of my most fun topics to write about because – not just in the workplace. I mean, I write a lot about the workplace, but I like to write about technology in, um, for example, um, crime as a favorite. <gasps> so, you know, the the bad side of technology and the internet cyber and the dark crime. side of cyber crime and the dark dark things that go on online, you know, and cyber bullying and all of that. So I, I write a lot about the dark side, but I also write about the good side around things like, um, you know, the amazing um, big data and analytics being used to help solve crimes now. You know, mm. where police information, you know, the technology in the in the um, justice um, kind of world has evolved from, you know, filing cabinets and reports yeah, and written yeah. reports and police with notepad in their pocket. It's just, you know, now there's body cameras and all kinds of things in the police force. So I'll, I'll, that's that's one kind of area. And, and even I play with this one a lot as well, like technology and love. So, oh, you know, like in the old days, them. yeah, in the old days you met them at a tea dance, you know, or you met them in a nightclub or you, yeah. and now, you're you know, half the population, right. you're swiping, I've got a literally like a lovely little poem. Oh yeah, I really would love that. But yes. you know, I think the thing with this sort of dating <laughs> is there's scammers out there oh, again. It's like, it. you talk about scammers, but please. Yes. Oh, it's literally a- like about... 20 words. Give me a called, dating it's poem. Called, it's because you just said swipe, swipe right. <laughs> <laughs> this is my little tech poem, um, which is called Fight or Flight. And it starts off, first couple of lines, swipe right turns to lost. Lost turns to love. Love turns to like. Like turns to fight. Fight turns to flight. I know you're not right. Swipe right. <laughs> <laughs> That's the reality. Good, yeah. There's so many people meet online, and it's scary. Uh, Yeah, I've been married like more than two decades, so (laughs) you missed the swipe. I missed completely missed the um, the Tinder apps and all of this. You know, this kind of like new world. Um, Yeah, and there's no blind dates anymore. You just lock up. You know, you just lock up the person on social media, and you know what you're getting. And And you can you can stalk them (laughs) for you. you Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So yeah, I just find it fascinating that that's like the way that you meet people. Oh, absolutely, and it's really I find it. Like, I'm not very good at online dating. Seriously, Mm. I'd be one of the worst, and I'm so picky. But, you know, there's a lot of comparison. That There's a a whole thing around, and I write it in my book, about you only have a few seconds Mm. when you meet someone and you've formed an opinion. Well, that finger is so fast. Like, photo, gone, gone. And we joke in our social group of mine about a couple of my friends that really love Tinder and they mm. travel the world on Tinder as well and they line up dates in next places that they are, just <laughs> dates. They, but I haven't got any, any company. I'm travelling on my own. I'll find a date for dinner. Yeah, it's And you mad, just go, oh, yeah. my God. Yeah, it's, it's not love at first sight. It's love at first swipe. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't that it? Is, it is. It's hilarious. I yeah. like that. You yeah, should... love at first swipe. Mm, that mm. could be a new poem. I, I think that is a really good new poem, <laughs> love at first swipe. Uh, no, I'm still a traditionalist, even though I, so yeah, I'm still with my husband after all that time, but I, I've got a little, I've got the flip side, I've got the old fashioned way 
of um, love. So have you got a poem I'll, on the opposite? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, let's yeah. I'll, do do, I'll do the opposite, which yeah. is the you know the good old fashioned love love story. Go for it. This one's called Cricket. When I was young, all I wanted was to be old enough to fill my own grocery trolley with mouth-watering delicacies at the supermarket, mature into an elegant figure, able to wear high heels without toppling over, find a partner who I loved enough to enjoy watching a five-day cricket match on television with. As I grow older, all I want to do is look back on my younger years and know I fed someone in need of a meal to ward off hunger pains. To know when another lost their balance and toppled over, I was there to pick them up. Know with certainty the person I loved enough to enjoy watching that five-day cricket match with returned the favour by standing at my side for my poetry book launch without ever grimacing. (laughs) Old-fashioned love. It is old-fashioned love. Yeah, that's it. Shopping trolley. Yes, exactly. No technology in sight. Absolutely. (laughs) Well... Mm. There is one thing about technology and you do have to turn it off sometimes yeah. or it rules your life. Mm, it definitely does, especially with the youngsters. Um, yeah, they, you know, they love the phones and the devices and things and, you know, getting outside and going for a walk, getting down to the beach and, you know, um, socialising verbally, yeah. you know, not, not through a text message. It's so important to society. Yeah. So, yeah, I definitely encourage my um, my teenage kids to balance the real world with the tech yeah yeah it is a real challenge though I think you've just got to have those times where Mm. you go no no phone I'm not I'm going out for dinner tonight I'm not even taking my phone with me and I think that's really important because there's nothing nothing worse than sitting opposite someone Mm. that is constantly looking at the the phone or you're constantly hearing that pinging noise of a message coming in those sort of things um are really uh very distracting and they're, they're hidden stresses. Mm. You know, I, I saw a woman, a doctor the other day talking about hidden stresses and she's written a book about hidden mm. stresses and this is, they are hidden stresses that we don't even think are there because subconsciously you're really aware that this is happening. You know, you're aware and unaware. It's like it's just going off in your brain all the yeah, time. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I th- it's unhealthy just to sit there so long, you know, in a room sitting on your device. is bad for your eyes and... All kinds of things there, so you just I, got to balance it all. <laughs> and can I say, you and I both write and have very busy lives, yes. so we tend to be on them fairly yes. often. But yeah. I just, yeah, you know, that's a downside of writing and and work actually. Yeah, so thing I get so hands as well from typing. That's another downside. So Maybe I don't on laptop type and, enough. <laughs> yeah, but you know, I tried. Um, here's a technology one for you. So I uh, I was finding I was getting achy hands. I was working on the computer all day in, in the corporate world and then going home and writing for, you know, a few hours. And um, a friend of mine taught me about this piece of software, new software, that uh, does voice recording and then it translates it onto the screen. So you just chat away. You can tell your little, you know, short story or your uh, I write novels as well and po- obviously the poetry. And you can just converse and then it will put it onto the screen. Yep. So anyway, uh, I got this software. I can guess where this is going. Oh, well, I got the software and I'm a Geordie from Newcastle-upon-Tyne. No piece of software understands Your... the Northeast accent. Oh, so, yeah, funny. less than 30% success rate with um, the sort of gobbledygook this app would churn out to try and understand, yeah. understand what I was saying. Yeah, I think technology though, didn't work. I don't know for you, but being creative to me 
when I'm thinking through my brain, I have to let it come through my hands. Mm. And I think that's the importance of writing too. And there are arguments around writing as well as typing and that, you know, writing is actually better for creativity. Mm. And, you know, Mm. who knows? I haven't done any research on it. but Memory as well. I think if you write something down, it sticks more in your mind than if you type something down. That's just a personally what I feel. If I really want to remember it, I'll write it down. And they do say with things like journaling, Mm. it's very important for health and wellness to be journaling. We've gone absolutely sidetracked (laughs) on this. I just love coming in and having a chat. But (laughs) we were talking about ageing and the workforce. So do you think that um, we've really covered most of the things we need to talk about? Yeah, I think probably the only other one might be around um, employers being really mindful about providing flexible working so that, um, firstly, the employers know that they want to capture this um, particular sort of um, group of workers because of the experience, but offering more flexible work patterns, you know, for um, older workers who perhaps don't want to retire yet, but they don't want to work full time, they want to start to transition more slowly into their, you know, that world. If employers can really embrace that, I think it's going to go a long way to getting, you know, that nice balance for people um, as the workforce becomes older and people are living longer, people are healthier, more active longer. People want to work longer typically, Well, they, maybe not full time. No, that's right. And when you said the word transition, mm. I was sort of thinking transitioning to retirement if it mm. comes down to four days, three days. I know in the New South Wales Education Department, I know friends of mine that have the ability to transition to retirement and they might be doing two days a week in a role within a school and there are positions they can do that in or they can job share. Um, and I think that's important for yeah. people to to look at. Yeah, and, I think so. And balance the skills. If someone's really great at tech and someone else is really great, well, then a job that can be shared by the two of them can, mm. can really make that work. Yeah. And both people... Um, communicate together to make it better. Yeah. I definitely think employers and the government are doing quite a lot. The government's got a lot of spend now through, you know, the new budget on um, programs supporting older workers around reskilling, around, you know, all kinds of initiatives to, you know, remain in the workplace longer. So there's a lot of incentives to, yeah. you know, to stay on if people want to. Employers more and more, I think, are embracing this and will have to continue to do so because this is what society wants and it's the right thing and... You know, you, you don't want to lose the enormous experience sitting in that particular, you know, um, group of workers. So, yeah, lots can still be done. And I want to add to that. We all try to financially plan for our mm. future and our retirement. But as an older employee, how are you, how am I planning for my future retirement socially, health and wellness, mm. the things that I want to do outside the workforce so that when I do finally move on, have I future-proofed myself Mm. in some way to walk away and not feel like I want to sit on the couch or I'm depressed because I can't find enough to fill my life? Because Mm -hmm. I think in ageing, that's an absolute recipe for disaster if you haven't planned. Mm. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, And then when you are in that space in the future, what are you going to do to keep relevant and keep learning the technology you know teaming up with your grandkids if you have grandkids Mm. and my you know my nieces have taught their grandmother how to use devices and you know she can still 
program things for the TV. She can still use an iPad and she's in the in her 90s. Yes, she struggles, mm. but she still wants to learn. And, and it makes her proud of herself that she can go on and keep track of the family. Yeah. Um, and even worse... She checks what day of the week it is, but <laughs> she turns it on in the morning and says, I know what day of the week it is. It's Tuesday because, yeah. or Wednesday because she looks. <laughs> but good on her. I know. It's so, it's so fantastic, you know, to, to do that. It's and, so yeah. funny though. And she'll say, you don't have to tell me what day of the week it is. I've already looked. And I go, oh, my God. But, yeah. Have you got one more poem before we go? Oh, I've got a little left field one, which is um, called Cube. And it's got a little retro object in which, if you think about cubes in the retro yeah. object, this is um, – I don't know how relevant it is to our chat, but I brought it with me. Oh, I, I so don't care called, about it's called relevant. Cube. Okay, yep. I just I just wrote this one, so this is really new. You're the first one to hear Ooh. this. Mm. Exclusive on the oh. radio today. <laughs> I bet you say that to everyone. No, no, no. I really, I really don't. <laughs> uh, okay. Um, multiple dimensions formulate the shape of a cube, just as multiple dimensions formulate me. At school, the kids used to call me square assuming it a flat two-dimensional insult, but I knew it was the basis on which I could build a pyramid, or a cube, or whatever wonder took my mood. On the surface I smile at passers-by, showing only what I want them to see. People who know me well see my other sides and love me for it. Others kiss my cheek, moments later putting their tongue in their own cheek, spreading gossip, ignorant to the fact that they're two-faced. Multiple dimensions formulate the shape of a cube, just as multiple dimensions formulate me. So if I have more than one face, that makes me two-faced too. I'm not too ashamed, cheeks inflamed, to say it. But a person really needs more than two sides to have any fun when rolling life's dice. And while socially, three is company, it's better to have a fourth wall. I'm not alone in thinking this, am I? Multiple dimensions formulate the shape of a cube, how many dimensions formulate you? Only I can shape my life, moving 54 pieces through 43.2 quintillion combinations of a Rubik's Cube, making moves in the right order to create harmony amidst chaotic disorder. For a while I thought you were my fourth side on that solid square base of my childhood, the bricks needed to prop me up the part of the sturdy frame necessary for keeping a roof over my head and calling my house a home, until I realised I had not just a fifth side, but a sixth too, brimming with the instinct to know the love I saw, smelt, taste, heard, could touch, meant nothing if my sixth sense shared a negative feeling in my gut, that you were laying bricks somewhere else too. I thought my cube would cave in when I made the move to remove you from my life, but I'm still here, with 43 Point one nine nine quintillion new moves to make. In any case, now I've removed the side of my life that was you, it's easier to think outside a box with no ceiling. Multiple dimensions formulate the shape of a cube, just as these multiple dimensions formulate me. That's so interesting. Yeah, it's a little oh, weird. <laughs> I thought you've got to do a little weird the old, one in there, the, the little old po- poetry Rubik's madness. Cube. Oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah, a little bit of retro. <laughs> How do you think these things? So did, did that take you a while to write? Um, yeah, that was a, it did a little while. It sort of evolved off being a one verse thing about a Rubik's Cube and then it just expanded to this whole concept of you know, different moving parts of your life and all the 
different little pieces. You and know, it so. really does look at our, our lives are never one dimensional. No, that's if right. If they are, we've got a real problem. Yeah. And if something goes wrong, it's just one piece, you know, like carve it out and keep going and, you know, just keep um, finding the resilience. Yeah. You know, that's just one little part of life. It shouldn't hold you back. Well, Kelly, I have had an absolute ball today having you here in the room. And uh, I hope you'll come back again. Uh, it's like it's just like sitting talking to a great friend um, on the lounge, you know, over a ca- cup is. of coffee in a cafe. So thank you so much for coming in and sharing a lot about ageism, being um, relevant, future proof in yourself, and oh, it's and some of your amazing poetry. <laughs> yeah, some new work in there. Yeah, we had mad poetry for you. <laughs> oh, no, I really love it. And for yeah. people out there, um, Kelly is the author of Gra- Graffiti Lane. You're writing The Pinstripe Prisoner at the moment. That's You've right. been commissioned to write that. Uh, I have a literary agent who is um, trying to find it a new publishing home. So, yeah, lots of exciting things in the writing world. And yep. you've got another poetry mm. book coming? I do, yeah. Graffiti Lane is around mainly uh, bullying, cyberbullying, mental health. And I have another collection I've just finished. And it's more around domestic violence and relationships gone wrong. Oh, and so, yeah. actually, when you said bullying, I think about ageism really in the workplace. It's mm. a little bit of bullying, isn't it? It's yeah, like definitely. Yeah, I think, um, it, you know, when you think about discrimination in the workplace and things, a lot of people think about, you know, um, racism or, you know, females being excluded and things like that. But age as well. You know, it can be normalised, you know, being at the brunt of jokes and things like that. It's not acceptable. And, you know, stand firm and just know your worth. Uh, It doesn't matter what age you are. You've got an absolute place in society. And, uh, yeah, Yeah. it's, yeah, it's definitely needs to stop. So uh, if anyone wants to find out Mm. more about Graffiti Lane or buy a copy of Graffiti Lane, where do they go to do that? Yeah, my uh, website is www.kellyvannelson.com and the book is on Amazon. It's a number one bestseller on Amazon, which is exciting. Uh, You can get it in Dimmicks and sort of all of the major retailers online and in a lot of the bookstores as well, otherwise through the website. Thank you. (laughs) You're welcome. And as I said, you are part of a you're a very modern woman Mm. and part of a very modern family and moving at such a fast pace and you're so wonderful and I just love having you in here so thank you no thanks for having me and thanks for listening so this is it for today's program it's time to say cheerio to the wonderful northern beaches community join me next week for another episode of aging fearlessly And now for a song written by Nick Howard, especially for the listeners. This is Karen Sander. Have a fantastic week. And remember, ageing is inevitable and growing old is a choice. The sun is shining bright outside. There's a sparkle in your eye. It's not all nine to five. It's a wonderful life Let's go and climb mountains high Swim across oceans wide Live out our dreams Just you and me Let your heart
Let your heart be alive. 